0: we must take America back. Good evening, Patriots and
1: Freedom Fighters. Broadcasting from my home studio in downtown Belmont, Pennsylvania. The state of independence. Worldwide, as National Intel report on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse. Well, anywhere else you hear it or see it. I'm Peter Serafied, your host for this two hours of common sense and constitutional discussion. Tonight, I've got uh, Brent Hamichick going to join us at the bottom of this first hour. So 6.30 Eastern Time, if you're watching or listening live. Brent from humanevents.com, commongroundcampus.com, and brenthamachek.com. And then at the top of the second hour, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, if you're watching or listening live. Dave Summerall, the champion for the Justice for J6 prisoners movement, is going to be coming on. And I've got a whole bunch of questions for him. There's been a lot of sentences for the J6 prisoners handed down recently. The, uh, the proud, the, the the proud boys leader got like 15 years. Wow. So I want to talk to Dave about some of that, but I've been, hmm, I've been watching or listening to mostly uh, a con law class, a, a constitutional law class from a, a law school, And uh, not surprised but disappointed in what I hear. As, As expected, it started out with one day, one session, where they actually talked about the Constitution. And then they immediately went into court cases, court decisions, court opinions about how the Constitution should be read. Now, the Constitution was written for you and I, we the people. It's written for us. It's written in plain language. Even though 25 of the 56 men in the room were lawyers, they still wrote the Constitution in common language for us. They could have filled it with legalese and clauses and all that kind of stuff like lawyers do, but they chose not to. So now we have this whole precedence system set up where judges and lawyers look back at old cases to see how... The The constitution should be read. What does it really mean? Well, we've got to see what this judge five years ago, 10 years ago, 100 years ago, we got to see what this other judge thought about it. It's his opinion. Now, lawyers will tell you that the precedence system is there for continuity's sake. It's there so that you don't have weird, random judges making just completely obscure rulings. But if you actually look at the precedents over the last 240 years, you'll find that even with precedents there, they do that a lot. The Supreme Court has reversed itself many times. And it's done it in as little as four months. They've decided a case one day that says X, and then four months later heard a very similar case and said why, and changed the X ruling, negated it, wiped it off the face of the plan. In four months. That seems crazy to me. But that also made me think of other stuff. We'll get back to the Supreme Court in just a minute. Let's talk about government itself. Now, I'm of the belief that all government, regardless of what form of government it is, is going to grow... It's going to take, and and when government grows, it tramples on rights. Government power is the inverse of human rights, citizens' rights. Now, our Constitution was written to put constraints on government, to keep it in a box, to keep it within the four corners of the document itself, as they say. So that was the purpose of the Constitution. How well did it work? How long did it take for our federal government? to just ignore even... Let's not even talk about the unenumerated rights, the common law rights. How long did it take our federal government before it completely ignored enumerated rights, rights that are spelled out in black and white on parchment? How long do you think it took? I don't want to answer that yet. I want to give you a chance to answer that question before I do. So being a live call-in show, you can call in to 512-248-8252. Or if you want to answer or comment, but you don't want to be on the radio, you can text 64 four my 646-974-4487. 512-248-8252 to call in. 646-974-4487 to text your answer. After the... Ratification of the U.S. Constitution in 1789, how long did it take for our federal government to completely ignore black and white enumerated rights that we, the people, have? While I wait for you to answer that, I want to talk about a particular Supreme Court case that has always rubbed me wrong. And it's one that pretty sure I've mentioned before, but I'm going to do it again anyway, because I think it's that important, and it's one of these cases that I think everybody should know about. It's from 1942, but before we get to the case, we need a little bit of background, so let's talk about 1938. It's 1938, the country's in a depression, and Congress passes a law, they pass a law to try to, uh, well, regulate the costs of food. Which makes no sense, right? Let's think. It's a depression. There are literally millions of people starving in our country. And Congress passes the Agricultural Adjustment Act of 1938 and limits how much farmers can grow. Now, if you're one of the starving people in the streets of the country... The idea that Congress is going to limit how much a farmer can grow seems counterintuitive. Seems a little counterintuitive to me. I would think, grow as much as you can, feed the people. But that's not what this act did. This act limited how much a farmer could grow so that government could regulate and control the prices. So they put a limit on how much wheat you could grow, for example. And it was based on, you know, how much land you had. If you had X number of acres, you could grow Y amount of wheat. Well, a gentleman, uh, an Ohio farmer named Filburn. Ohio farmer named Philburn, Roscoe Filburn, decided, now I'm going to grow more. And Roscoe Filburn actually grew a lot more than he was allowed to grow. He grew 293, I think, bushels more than he was allowed to grow. Like 3,000 pounds of wheat, more than his federal, regulated, mandated, allowable amount. So he grew 3,000 pounds of wheat. Now, he gets charged with violating this law and ends up in the Supreme Court. Now, the government's position even though it was never stated in the documents or in the courtrooms, the government's position is, if he's growing 3,000 pounds extra, he must be selling it on the black market. Although they was never accused of that. That was kind of the assumption that was given. Now, Roscoe Filburn says he grew that extra wheat to feed his livestock and feed his family, and that he didn't sell it anywhere. So how did the court go about this? See, Roscoe, Mr. Philburn, and his attorneys, they argued that I'm not selling this week. I'm using it for my own personal consumption and that of my own personal animals. It is not part of commerce at all, let alone specifically interstate commerce, which Congress is allowed to regulate. Roscoe's argument was, nope. My wheat is my wheat. I'm not selling my wheat. You have no ability to regulate it. Which seems perfectly reasonable to me. But what happened? What did the the justices of the Supreme Court, in their infinite wisdom that they get when they put on those black robes, what did they find? Well, they said that Roscoe Filburn should have grown less wheat and then bought what he needed for his livestock. He should have produced less for his own personal consumption, stuck within the limits from the federal government. And they found him guilty. See, the government, the Supreme Court, they kind of aggregated the idea. You know, was it really a big deal that this one guy, Roscoe Philburn, was growing... Two or three thousand pounds extra wheat. No, that's not really that big of a deal. But if a hundred farmers did that or a thousand farmers did that, well that's enough to impact the cost of wheat. The price of you know free markets, right? Higher supply, lower prices. So they argued that if, you know, they, the Supreme Court, argued that if enough farmers did this, if we allowed this to continue, then it would drop the price of wheat. Again, millions of people are starving, like literally starving in the streets of our country at the time. So would a lower price really be a bad thing? That aside. So that's what they said. They aggregated his effect with had, you know, what if other people did the same thing? And it would have this negative impact. So basically, what they argued was that by not participating in the interstate commerce, Roscoe Filburn was impacting interstate commerce. That was one of the the first was, you know progressive era cases that just dramatically increased the power of our federal government. Because now, you know, before this, Congress could only regulate a product if it crossed state lines. Now, Congress was basically given the power to regulate anything that affects the cost of an item that crosses state lines. So his ridiculously local activity of in, of of on his own farm could have impacted the cost of wheat, therefore, he was impacting interstate commerce, therefore, they could regulate it. Hmm. Now, this is just one of many cases like that. What happened with the EPA? You know, it's long been established that the federal government has the right or the power to regulate navigable waterways. Now, to you and i what does that mean that means a waterway large enough for a boat would be a navigable waterway but the epa the environmental protection agency has exp- have you know looked at this case of willard B. filburn and said well filburn wasn't really on interstate commerce but we could regulate him because he impacted interstate commerce and the epa says well your little tiny stream that runs through your property, well, it might not be navigable, but it leads to a navigable waterway. That way we can regulate your little stream. And then they took it a step further in a case that was just recently turned down or overturned, where the EPA was trying to say that an adjacent marshland, wetland which didn't even have a stream on it no visible water at all was under their jurisdiction because it led to a stream that led to a river that led to a navigable waterway and finally the Supreme Court kind of slapped them down a little bit there's a lot of cases like this and then all goes to this precedence thing what some other judge said impacts how I'm supposed to react here. Now, when we opened the show, I said, how long did it, how long did it take for our federal government to completely ignore the enumerated rights of we the people before they started stomping on it? I'm going to give you that answer right after I tell you about my new book. My new book, A More Tyrannical King. It comes out in 10 days, September 17th, Constitution Day. I compare the tyranny of our current government to the tyranny, the infamous tyranny of King George III of Great Britain during the time of our American Revolution. I think it's my best book yet. This is my third book. I think this is my best one yet. And I would absolutely love if if you all would go out and pre-order it right now. Pre-order it anywhere you can buy books. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it uh, Books a Million and Barnes and Noble, you can get paperback or electronic copy. Pre-order it right now tonight, please. I uh, over the over the course of the day, you know, woke up this morning and I had jumped many spots on the sales rankings. Must have sold a couple overnight. I would love to sell a couple of more and see how high in those sales rankings we could possibly get. So, A More Tyrannical King, anywhere you buy books. Or you can go to liberty-lighthouse.com, click on the books links there, and you, know, you can see all the different places that you can buy the book. Lots of links there. <clears throat> all right, so back to the question. See if I have an answer in text message. Um, no. Nobody has answered the question yet. The question is, how long did it take? I think it took nine years. And I base that on the the uh, Alien and Sedition Acts. Now, you might think that Hamilton arguing for the first national bank was a violation of the Constitution. But you have to say, there is an argument to be had that maybe a bank is not unconstitutional. It's not That's not really black and white. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look over that one. I want the first plainly obvious violation of our civil rights, our enumerated rights. And that would be under our second president, John Adams, while we were at war, or we, were, we weren't even at war yet, while there was pending war with France coming. And we had the Alien and Sedition Acts, where it became illegal to speak ill of your government. Nine years 1798 the Alien and Sedition Acts passed that's it that's what government does government gets put in place government grows that's that's it I got uh, one person text and said 10 years Um, that was Sarah thank you Sarah pretty close And uh, somebody else brought up the Whiskey Rebellion. Okay. The Whiskey Rebellion, was it really our federal government completely violating our rights? eh, They were trying to tax whiskey. They have the right to tax. So, I don't know. But there was, I mean, there's other things. There was Shays' Rebellion before the Constitution was even written. Our government took maybe nine years, to stomp all over our, our, our numerator rights, the ones that are just plain black and white. The First Amendment. Stomped all over it nine years after we were created. And the Supreme Court, they didn't strike it down. The sedition acts were, weren't gone until after Jefferson became president. Jefferson, one of the first things he did was get rid of it. But John Adams, the second president of the United States, stomped all over your First Amendment guaranteed right of free speech. That's insane. And you think, you know, the court is supposed to save us, right? The court is supposed to look at the laws and protect us from the laws. But at different points in our history, the Supreme Court has taken a stance that we're going to presume that a law is constitutional unless you can prove otherwise. Well, how's that for independence? Like, the the judge, the courts are supposed to be independent from government. They're supposed to be their own separate thing. And if they start out with the presumption that the law, being adjudicated in front of them, is constitutional, how independent is that? I argue it's not very independent at all. And with the Supreme Court, there's a lot of really shady stuff that has gone on in the course of our, our re- republic. We all know, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson, right? Remember that one? The, uh, the, the Supreme Court case that basically authorized segregation, separate but equal, throughout our country? You know that case has never been overturned by the court? Plessy versus Ferguson is still valid case law that was made nullified by the 13th and 14th Amendments. But the courts never nullified it. And there's a lot of them like that. There's a lot of these old cases where maybe they put some boxes around it or whatever they never nullified it now somebody is probably going to call in and say what about brown versus board of education read the decision brown versus board of education did not overturn plessy versus ferguson brown versus board board of education says that plessy has no role in education So separate but equal did not apply to schools, but it was still a valid case, valid case law. Which I think we need to get rid of that term, case law. Because it's not law. It is an opinion of nine people wearing robes. And how many times in our history in the Supreme Court dockets, how many times can you go back and you see cases like Plessy versus Ferguson where they were just wrong? How often do we look at the dissenting opinions of some of these old cases and say, see, this this guy was right, but he was the only one, or he was one of two. He was not the majority. Case law is a problem, and I personally, I think precedence in itself is a problem because it is proven ineffective. If the Supreme Court can overturn its own rulings in as little as four months, in at least one case, back-to-back years in several cases, then the argument that, that case law creates continuity. Just crumbles. It's not cont- it's not contiguous to so reverse yourself a year later. I personally I think any case that goes in front of any of these federal judges, the first thing they should look at is is this thing constitutional based on a, just a plain reading of the Constitution? Ignore case law. Ignore precedents. And if it can can pass that first step, if it can just get past the plain reading of the Constitution, then maybe it's time to crack open the case law books and look back at what other tyrants in black robes may have said about the the case before. And for the last 20 minutes I've been talking about this and I I didn't even bring up the fact that Who's bound by the Supreme Court? Only the two parties named in the case. It doesn't apply globally, automatically. It's only the two parties the in
2: the case. The so it the to the land
1: anyway, it's time for this first break. Like I said... Promised we got Brent Hamachak on the other side of this break. We're gonna be back in three minutes. Attention, freedom loving patriots. Listen, these courses are for you. Gain a comprehensive understanding of our Constitution's principles, the wisdom of our Founding Fathers, and how to apply them in today's world. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. Use code RBN for 20% off. Together, we'll be the beacon of freedom. Our founding generation envisioned. Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. Illuminating minds. Empowering patriots.
2: Hey, welcome
0: back.
1: Peter Seraphine, your host for the evening, and I'm here to remind you that free speech is not free. Support this free speech network and whatever network you're watching or listening from because we don't get government help. We don't get help from Google's algorithms. We don't get help from, well, anybody. So help these, uh, these free speech platforms share out their links, use their promo codes, visit their sponsor pages, visit their own websites, read their stuff, help them out any way you possibly can. And as I promised... We have a guest this evening.
2: Where do you go when you want the truth about current human events? You go to Brent Hamachek over at humanevents.com, brenthamachek.com,
1: and over on Common Ground Campus. And now welcome into studio, Brent Hamachek. Welcome, Mr. Brent Hamachek. How are you this evening? I always
3: love that, that stirring introduction that's played. It fires me up. I'm ready to take the field for a half hour here. All right. Hey, like, did you have anything in particular that you wanted to talk about this evening? Because I have been
1: just, uh, well, I, I started the show by saying that I've been taking a uh, uh, a con law, a constitution law course designed for law students. Uh, I've been watching the seminars and videos and stuff on, on YouTube and listening to the debates and the discussions. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm disappointed in the entire law system uh, based on what <laughs> I'm hearing in this in this course. Right. Uh, anything in particular that you want to talk about?
3: Well, I'm always I'm always happy to follow the lead, but I'm you know I was interested in listening to you prior to the the break and, and talking about the court system and what's going on and you know I think that America needs to be sort of properly terrified at the moment. So we've just uh, witnessed. I mean, there's a number of cases, but the one. It gets a bunch of press these last, what, 24, 48 hours. I lose track of time at my old age, but within the last day and news cycle is uh, Enrique Terrio's sentence for sedition uh, at an event where he wasn't even present uh, in the city. Um, As you were mentioning, dragging out uh, a bit of uh, statutory uh, revelry that's been almost antiquated right over time and uh it was interesting because if you go back uh after uh january uh 6th and you go a year plus later there was a bunch of articles written about how it was funny that they talk about overthrowing the government and and conservatives were writing you know no one's been charged with with sedition or treason right and uh, so how can this be? And it was very shortly after that, after all of those opinion pieces came out, that those charges started to be levied. Uh, this is not a coincidence, right? No. So, so think, about, think about what was happening. And, and people really need to think about this. Is that folks inside the criminal justice system who had been looking at cases and not leveling certain charges heard people in the public square say, well, why are these people uh, being... Why is it being said they are trying to overthrow the government and they're not even charging them with that? And so then these folks who are supposed to be upholding the law, what did they do? They sat back and they scratched their chin and they said, hmm, okay, let's do that. This is not the attitude that prosecutors are supposed to have. Nope. Prosecutors, unlike criminal defense attorneys... You know, it's kind of interesting. People always like to criticize criminal defense attorneys. Uh, Conservatives pick on criminal defense attorneys. Criminal defense attorneys are the last line of defense, the last line against a totalitarian government. A criminal justice uh, defense attorney, their job is to win at all costs. They are supposed to do everything they can to get their client off no matter how guilty their client is they have got to fight for that client because they're not just fighting for that client they're fighting against a system to keep it in check mm-hmm. the prosecutors on the other hand are not supposed to be concerned with winning they're not they're supposed to be concerned with the administering of justice and yes. that's a very different thing so should they want to win if their cause is just and they clearly have a criminal before them well of course they should and but they need to do it always keeping in mind that notion of justice that's their goal they aren't about winning they're about administering justice the prosecutors in this country and it's not just at the federal level it's systemic have preoccupied themselves with winning the case And that might sound like it's what they're supposed to do. But think about it really hard. They're not. And to the extent they play that game, they play with our liberties. And now we're seeing that firsthand with an absolutely preposterous conviction and a more preposterous sentence. I've said it before on your show. If uh, January 6th was an an attempt to overthrow the government, it was led by f Troop. for goodness sake. If you don't know the reference, if you're too young, Google it. It was a fun show. probably funny. still watch it on Hulu or Netflix or something. Who knows? But uh, in any event, um, this this frightens me to no end. And final point on the Terry case, and you and I were talking off air about it a little bit. What's happened to him is a personal matter of injustice by a system that should scare us all. But if you want to look at for something even bigger to pay attention to. Pay attention to when his sentence is appealed. Because if that outrageous sentence is upheld within the system, one level up where they're supposed to shake their heads and have a clear look and say, okay, all right, trial's over and everything. Let's settle down here and take a look at what's going on. If they uphold a 22 year sentence, I would suggest to you that a lot more is lost than just one case in the January 6th trials. Yeah. Well,
1: one of the comments uh, that I got in text message that we didn't, I didn't mention on air was, uh, you know, each case uh, should be heard on its own merits, and that 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 appeal process—that's like you said—it's a—it's a usually in front of a panel of judges and not just one, and and at that point, you know, they they do they get to shake their heads and start it over, like they they can. Look at what was presented, but they they also have the the clear-eyed vision of not being in the heat of battle. Now you said that the, the the defense attorneys are the last line of defense, and I've often said that it's actually the jurors, we the people that serve on juries, that are one of the last lines of defense against tyranny. Um, and that was a that was something that was was echoed by uh, by Jefferson, or something I stole from Jefferson would uh, would be more accurate. the The idea that a a jury can sit, you know, a jury member can sit in a, in in the jury box, and just refuse to in, in, refuse to uh, find somebody guilty of a crime that is an unjust crime based on an unjust law. In modern times, they call that jury nullification, right. but but back in the old days, that was jury independence. The jury they're not government employees. They're not public officials. They're not tied in any way to any branch of government. They're picked from we, the people. So that, I mean, that's why one of the courses, one of the first courses I built for my new online right. platform was, was a, 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 a case about jury independence. And we need to have more people in this country that understand the power they have. When they sit in that jury box,
3: you're right, and I mean, look—you make a very valid point. I think the the point is one that I used to make a lot uh, in the world of um, civil law, because we all complain about the trial law lawyer, lawyers and the large liability settlements and so on, but uh, the last time I checked, it's the members on a jury who render those verdicts and make those awards it's not the lawyers so if people on juries would stand up and say look i'm sorry you slipped and fell in a red lobster restaurant because the floor was wet but get over it yeah well this could all come to an end right i actually didn't say that randomly i was on a jury once for a slip and fall at a red lobster restaurant and uh uh but in the, in the criminal world, of course, it's, it's every bit as true, the responsibility that jurors have. And jurors get things wrong all the time. I mean, we had, we had in Illinois, and I, I hope I get the number right, I believe it was 23 death row inmates back during George Ryan's time as governor who were set free because of the work that was done out of Northwestern University in exonerating them through DNA evidence. Mm -hmm. So these were people who were sentenced to death on death row. The jury found them guilty, sent them to the gallows, if you will, awaiting the gallows. And then it turns out the jury was wrong. And so here's here's where I'll go back, though, to some extent and defend the point I made prior. First of all. How on earth, how on earth can an innocent person be prosecuted? Because if you think about it, by definition, the prosecutor didn't know enough to prosecute them in the first place because they were wrong. Right? They were wrong. This isn't about a jury saying, well, we looked at the evidence, and we're not sure, so we're going to acquit. It's different. I get that. But in the case of people who were exonerated, that means they were innocent. And the prosecutor's prosecuted in the first place. Now I happen to think that if a prosecutor... Wins a guilty verdict against somebody who's later proven to be innocent, that that prosecutor should be sentenced to jail for the same amount of time that that person was sentenced for. That would straighten them up in a hurry. Right. But prosecutors have no skin in the game. None. Zero. If they make a mistake and an innocent person suffers, so what? It means nothing to them. But those juries that hold the responsibility to acquit. The only side they hear, the only person they really get to hear from who's making that compelling argument, pre- presenting the case, is that defense attorney. Right. And that is why they carry so much responsibility and such a burden. Uh, I, I think that they are heroes among us. And so I break from my conservative brethren who love to support the prosecution and detest defense counsels. And I take the other
1: point of view. Well, I agree with you. Um, I and, and until relatively recently, I was a, a big supporter of, of the death penalty. But because of instances, like you said, you know, the 23 people in Illinois, it, we make too many mistakes. You can't in good conscience support a death penalty right. when, when there have been probably hundreds of people to death that were innocent and, and people that have been let go after spending decades in jail that were innocent
3: Right, find, find me a person who thinks the government does a good job of delivering the mail You can find <laughs> one you, know, you
1: remember I'm yeah. a mailman, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, we still have a mailman and uh, we, we know all the horror stories about the government delivering the mail Alright, so they can't take a letter from point A to point B, but we trust them to kill the right person Well, that's silly right Mm -hmm. and and it is it is why again i sort of break from fellow conservatives i'm not in favor of the death penalty and uh i think by the way if you're going to have a death penalty there ought to be an asterisk by it and that is that someone can only be put to death if a member of the family harmed by the capital offense pulls the switch because if we're going to take someone's life. The state is going to do it. It ought not be done impersonally. And it ought to actually be done by somebody who said, you killed my father. You were convicted by his peers. So I'm going to pull the switch. And if nobody in that man's family can pull that switch, then he lives. Um, but in general, I don't trust the government to kill the right person. I don't trust them to do much of anything right.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, all right, a quick uh quick shout out a, a quick a uh, what do you call it a shameless self promotion uh please go to liberty-lighthouse.com and particularly I would like you to go to the books page liberty-lighthouse.com/books and pre-order A More Tyrannical King it's my new book it comes out in 10 days and uh it's 10.99 in paperback form 5.99 in an ebook and I would really love it if you go buy it it's my best book yet it's my third one and is i am I'm, I'm i'm very proud of this one okay. so so proud of the first one each one gets better in my opinion the first one was okay second one's better third one's better yet fourth one is already underway but that's going to be about a year before I can get it out but liberty lighthouse dot com slash books and pre-order a more tyrannical thank you thank, thank you very much. Okay, well, Buck v. Bell. Are you familiar
3: with that case? Uh, uh, not, not by citation. Please go further. Uh, Buck v. Bell was the um,
1: the uh, the sterilization of imbeciles.
3: Ah, yes.
1: And and, yes.
3: and, and, uh, and, and or. Um, what what is the line? Three generations of uh, imbeciles is enough, right. or something like that. Right. Yes, three so the great Oliver went the Oliver Wendell Holmes line forgive okay. me for not
1: uh not knowing it uh, by name I wouldn't have known citation I wouldn't have known it by name either except for you know listening to to the con law class recently mm-hmm. um, thank you Sarah for putting the link in the chat the uh the video chat there to uh, liberty dash lighthouse dot com slash books uh okay so buck v bell um they decided it was during eugenics and eugenics right. was was basically settled science for the time and Eugenics was the idea that we could make society better by getting rid of the imbeciles. But imbeciles wasn't what we think of it today. It wasn't just stupid people. It was more, basically, any undesirable. And so it went to the Supreme Court, and the idea was the three generations. Well, Sarah, the mom, um, she was deemed to be an imbecile because she was pregnant and had a baby out of wedlock. Early. So she was deemed to be imbecilic because she was promiscuous, supposedly. Um, What I don't believe came out in the court case is that she had a baby out of wedlock because she was raped as a teenager. So, okay, there's a wrong finding by the court. Um, Then, um, I can't remember the daughter's name. I want to say it began with a V. But uh, the, the daughter, well, she was kind of imbecilic. But that's because she got syphilis. She was you know, a perfectly healthy, smart girl who could read and write and everything. But she got syphilis and syphilis ate at her brain a little bit. And she started to have those, those little lapses every now and then. And then the, the baby, which was to be the third generation, um, the baby was only six months old at the time. And this was like the 1920s or thirties. They really could not tell a whole lot from a six month old baby. So the, the court held that yes, in Virginia, You can sterilize an imbecile after you can show three generations of of imbecility. And and they were all, you know, opinions. It it wasn't fact, but that was our Supreme Court. And it was all based on settled science. Eugenics was the popular opinion of science at the time.
3: Well, it was a... Yeah, I mean it was a, it was a popular derivative of. Well, let me go back and make a bigger point. There are there are a handful of human beings throughout history who would be most distressed at what's been done in their name. Jesus Christ comes to mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, so does Karl Marx, by the way. Yeah, and so does Charles Darwin. And so eugenics was the offspring of Darwin's original work where, you know, he t- studied so many species and he left humans out of it. He had nothing to do with humans until his his next book, which is a very difficult read, by the way, but worth worth reading. Darwin kind of got bullied into it by relatives and peers uh, to sort of take that uh um, his, his whole evolutionary work and that, uh, species work and, and transfer it to humans. And then we know what was done with it. And so, you know, from, from Darwin, you know, you can skip to Margaret Sanger if you want. And, uh, the, the mother of the eugenics movement in the United States, uh, you, you can, you can also, uh, point to Adolf Hitler, Mm -hmm. no Darwin, I don't know. Maybe no Hitler. Uh, I'm not making the argument. I'm asking the question. And the point is that what we do over and over and over again as a species is we take the good works and the good teachings or the good ideas or provocative ideas of one, and we turn them into movements that allow humans to harm other humans. Literally since the day of Christ forward, We've had people rationalizing why harming somebody in the name of Christ is what he would have wanted us to do. I suspect that's not the case. And just like the work of Darwin, he would have been appalled, appalled at what was happening in the 20th century. All a derivative, a corruption of his work. And there's nothing, by the way, in the Soviet Union or China or Cuba or vietnam or anywhere else for that matter that karl marx would recognize or support yeah and yet uh we 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 go forth in their name right and that's what people do
1: a couple of funny or a couple of little things here Uh, a text message from a listener that says science by definition is never settled and i have said that many many times i completely agree Uh, number two during the nuremberg trials after world war ii the german quote-unquote scientists uh, were asked if they had invented this idea of eugenics, of sterilizing and killing off one entire race, and they said, no, we got it from the Americans in Virginia. And the really funny thing about that is Justice Holmes, who wrote that horrible, horrible decision, right. had taken a leave from the Supreme Court to be one of the judges that sat on the Nuremberg trials. So he was there when the Nazis said, we got it from you, man. <laughs> right. Right, Right. Uh, Dave Sumrall is joining us early, and since we were already talking about the J6 stuff a little bit, let's see what he has to say about anything that we're doing tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest thinks hot dogs are just American tacos. He is Justice for J6 Prisoners Advocate and StopHate.com owner, David Sumrall. Welcome to the show, Dave.
3: Hello, David.
0: Can't hear you, Dave juggling everything man, bouncing from phone calls and back and forth how are y'all today
1: good i saw you bouncing around there with phones and stuff and i that's what, you. you've been you've been connected into the video chat here for like 15 minutes but you weren't in your seat at
0: all no i've been walking around going back and forth you know how it is it's good to see y'all brother well i
1: i know sure. at one point uh I, I think Dave said he hadn't seen Brent in a while, so I, I thought, hey, you know, you're here. here I him. am,
3: proof of life.
0: The one of uh, one and only Mr. Hamitak. It's good to see you, my friend. Yeah, so thank Dave, God, there's only one of me. I know, right? We can't handle it any more than that, right? Dave Brent brought up uh, Enrique's uh,
1: sentencing, and I and I said, you know, we got we got Dave Summerall coming on later, and Dave's the big justice for J six guy. So we were talking about it, and. Brent seems to think that the big deal is going to be, does it survive appeal?
0: Right. Right. That's a great question. Does it make it that far? Do they file it properly? Do they get a shot at it? And do they kick it up from there? And would the Supreme Court see it if it made it that far? These are all real questions, real concerns. It's the same attorneys, the same basic people that are going to see the appeal that had the case. So there's there's really limited hope in that in the first place. But, you know, this, this exculpatory evidence, all the things that these judges are not allowing into the case should be great material for appeals. We just have to see if they'll look at it. It's like the evidence that we submitted for the trials themselves many times got censored away from the juries or the judges as well. They, they would decide not to let them view our discovery. So when you see that, you see the, the just travesty of justice for these people. They're not getting their fair day in court. Uh, you could argue vigorous defense, but what can you do when the judge won't let you submit video? So, I mean, it's the same stuff.
3: And I don't know, Dave might know this, but I mean, from an appeal standpoint, there's, there's two different things that you can do, and they're not mutually exclusive. One is to appeal the conviction itself, and the other one is then, of course, to appeal the sentence. My understanding is that if you appeal the conviction and it's denied, you then still have the ability to appeal the sentence, and you know it's, it. It is interesting. Also, you mentioned the Supreme Court, um, just living in Realville, where I sadly reside reside along with the ghost of the late Rush Limbaugh. I I can't imagine this Supreme Court granting cert to this case. I can't imagine them doing it. Uh, they're not going to want to get involved Mm-mm. and. Uh, I mean, I hope I'm wrong on some level. I hope I'm not wrong. I hope it's not needed. Right. I hope we don't find out. I hope that something happens sooner before that level. But if our last uh, ditch effort is the Supreme court, I suspect we're in the ditch I agree. Uh, because I, I don't think they'll grant cert.
0: No, I agree. And that's the travesty of this justice system, the department of injustice, as mm-hmm. we call it, because there's no fairness really. I mean, when it comes down to evidence, And they literally censor that away from any possibility of seeing the light of day. You have no defense. And most of these attorneys, especially the public defenders, I can't say that about the private ones, but they just simply try to negotiate a plea deal. I literally got a message from a guy and he said, look, I told my attorneys about you to hire you as an investigator. They said, well, you know, the government doesn't pay us enough to hire experts. Now, we know that's not true. You know, Mm -hmm. we know that there's funds for that. And then they said, we really don't want to go through evidence because then we would have to file motions and arguments. And we just want to do the bare minimum. They just want to hold their hands and walk them through the appeal so the government can get their pound of flesh. There's no justice in that.
1: Well, and if, if that, if you've got proof that that attorney said that, that should be grounds right there for a retry. I mean, that's, you know, ineffective counsel.
0: What's terrible is, to be honest with you, Peter, we have proof And proof and proof judges just biased comments about J6ers in general, comparing the event to a Hitler uh, scenario, you know, comparison uh, insurrection talk, you know, uh, Judge Walton saying he's not letting any of these J6ers through his court. You can't make statements like that and still consider yourself impartial or, or blind justice. There's no such thing there. They have ripped that blindfold off and put their whole weight On one side of the scale at our detriment all for politics all for this election all for their power and their pound of flesh to show who's in control of the people and that we just need to step in the line you know we've had so many more arrests they're they're cranking up the Mm -hmm. arrests. one of the prosecuting attorneys was overheard by one of the defendants the other day they said they wanted 1400 more arrests as soon as possible for what these people have been roaming the countryside for two and a half years, and now you're going to say they're a danger and they're a threat and they're a flight risk? I call BS on that. They've been sitting here not doing anything, not going anywhere for two and a half years, and you're going to round up these grandmas. And and we see, guys, the suicide numbers going up. You know, And that's not anything for any other reason than to add to the January 6th body count, and that's completely pressure by the FBI and the DOJ. You know, and, and that's the reality that our congressmen and our senators really seem to have a disconnect about what not only is good for the people, but what keeps us alive. And to let the FBI just bounce around and do this to people is ridiculous. I agree.
1: Hey, we got like two minutes left before the break. So let's give that to Brent here to uh, tell, tell tell the world what's going on in the world of Brent Hamachak and Common Ground Campus. And-
3: sure. So, uh well, this weekend, um, depending upon when folks are seeing this, uh, this weekend, the 9th and 10th of uh, September, we're actually going to be uh, down in the Brownsville, Texas area along the border with John Rourke, uh, who's put together a border cleanup uh, program. I don't know if your uh, audience might have seen the, the garbage pile. Our, our southern border literally looks like a landfill, and I'm not exaggerating. It's uh, so we'll we'll have equipment and volunteers and we're going to step down to the part of the country where Joe Biden says there's no problem. And we're going to go clean up the problem and hopefully to draw some notice to it, build a little community, uh, have people of different political walks of life involved. And uh, up. that's what's next. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Brent. Be back in three minutes, my friends. I've been sleeping on a my pillow pillow for years. and a couple of years ago, I tried the my pillow towels, soft and absorbent, wonderful bath towels. Recently, I got the My Giza dream sheets and they are by far the best quality bed sheets I've ever owned. While well, the quilt is pretty awesome, too. New products being added all the time at MyPillow.com, including sandals and slides and pajamas and, well, everything that you need for sleeping. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com to save yourself up to 66% off. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com.
0: We must take America back. We must take America back. That's why we do what
1: we do. Welcome back to the top of the second hour of National intel Report Live on Republic Broadcasting Network. Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 5-0 Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and, well, anywhere else you hear it or see it. Let's see. I, I promised we had Dave somewhere all at the top of the second hour here. We got Dave, and we got a phone call. So before we get back to Dave, let's see what Sarah in Oregon has to say. Welcome to the show,
0: Sarah.
2: Hi. Um, I'm going to have to make this really quick. Share the show out and also support free speech, whenever, whatever sh- station you listen to. That's my that's my
1: PSA for the week. Bye. Thank you for the weekly PSA, Sarah. Uh, so good, so great, right. Mister Sumral, Mister Justice for J Six Prisoners Extraordinaire. There's been a lot going on in your world. Yeah, and in one hand, I think it was a couple of weeks ago I saw. Somebody, one of these J six defendants, got their case thrown out because of evidence that was not allowed to be presented at his trial. But on the other hand, we got people getting fifteen and twenty years. One like you said, Enrique Enrique Tario. Tario. Yeah. I, on, I want to say Torres, and I'm like right. that's not it. No. Nah. Enrique Tario got was it twenty two years? And he like you said earlier. He wasn't even there. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a really weird thing. I, I got another call from another J sixer that is going later to turn himself in, surrender himself to his prison sentence, and you know he, he got a handful of months to serve, and he was at the West Tunnel, and, and not that he wants more. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but he called and he's like, David, I don't understand. Why did these guys that didn't do anything, they were not even near a place where some of the things that happened around the place where he was. And he said, they're getting years and I'm getting a couple of months. What's going on with that? I said, brother, it's all just part of the game. It's It's called called terrorism. terrorism. It's terrorism, man. They want their pound of flesh. They want their power. They want their control. They want their narrative. And they're willing to throw anybody under the bus to get that. And, And I'm just telling you, and your audience can appreciate this. Don't mess with the Proud Boys. Y'all y'all have bitten off more than you can chew. <laughs> I'm just saying. They have no idea who these guys are and how funny they are. They will meme them into a very bad place.
1: <laughs> meme them to
0: death. <laughs> you know what's really funny is I had never
1: heard of the Oath Keep, oh, it's not true. I had not heard of the Oath Keepers until shortly before yeah. the January sixth event. And when I heard of the group, I thought, well, that's me. That's right. I swore that oath in in 1990, and I've spent the majority of the rest of my life trying to uphold that oath. Yes. Maybe I need to look into this group. Yeah. Yeah. And then that all happens, and now the group is pretty much gone, or they've gone underground where I can't even find them anymore.
0: Yeah. Well, i tell you, it's really sad, too, because we did a a lot of events around the country over the last few years. They do security for those things. They mm-hmm. do security for congressmen and senators and, you know, high profile targets. And these are trusted ex-members of the military and, and law enforcement. You know, they're oath keepers. And that's what we've tried to tell people for years about that. You know, I mean, what is wrong with keeping your oath? If you took an oath to the United States and to the to Constitution defend enemies, foreign and domestic, all that stuff then why would you want somebody to ever give that oath up? Why would it be a bad thing to keep that oath? Because it's what this country is defended with and built upon. And it's all the morals and values that we hold dear. So to criminalize them as bad people, to make up stories, look at the proud boys, the good work that they've done, the fundraisers, the raisers, the toy drives, the, the community support, the defense of innocent people that want to go to protests or events or rallies But Antifa would beat them up. And the Proud Boys just stepped up and said, we don't want to see that happen anymore. If these cops aren't going to do anything, we'll do it. We're good at that. So, you know, it's a necessity thing. And it's really sad that it's come to that. But let me just take it one step further and and throw that comparison all the way across the field to Antifa. Mm -hmm. You know, Antifa is our version of ISIS created by our government to do their dirty work as needed. Very loosely organized, they say. But then we saw when Biden was, quote, installed, they didn't need Antifa anymore. And, and what did you hear from them? Oh, we're mad. We, we didn't get what we wanted out of the deal. We still want chaos and anarchy. And it's just like ISIS. When we quit using them and threw them to the side, they said, oh, we're not finished yet. You can't do this to us. We're doing the same thing right here in America. People don't realize it.
1: I, I've repeatedly compared uh, Antifa to Hitler's brown shirts. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. They, You know, not officially part right. of the government, yeah. not officially part of the party, but they went out and did the party's
0: dirty work. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and unfortunately, that's where we are. You know, the other brown shirts, the FBI, the hit squads that go around. And <laughs> there, there was a really good video the other day, uh, three days, four days ago, and it showed the FBI raiding another J6ers home to arrest them. And, you know, the the guys come up with their, you know, now they're not... I mean, like I'm – but they're ready to – I mean, they're right there. Yeah. You, you you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And they, they surround – they take the guy out, and then the, the guy goes up to the door, out with your hands up, with your hands up, you know, hands up. It's the girlfriend. She wasn't even there. I mean, all that. And the comments online were, wow, they are actually ready to shoot someone over a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. Now, that's what it is. This guy trespassed, big deal, $50 ticket, whatever. No, you're going to spend thousands of dollars – on yep. investigations and hit squads and choreograph all that and send all these high powered guns in to arrest these innocent people. And, and it's just a total overreach and people well, need to pick up to that. Like
1: like you said, they you know, generally speaking, like prior to January sixth, you could walk on the grass near the Capitol, but sure. shortly before the protest or whatever, they decided to make that, you know, off limits area. So how many yeah. people walked across the grass not even knowing that they were trespassing or breaking a rule at all because they had been there before and walked across yeah, yeah. you raising yeah. your hand Here. yeah
0: yeah like ten thousand more of me too but you yeah. know it's funny because in in the trial today I just heard a little inside information and inspector Floyd the guy that looked up and said yes and looked over and said yes and told everybody to start bombing the crowd and shooting the crowd. He he admitted that today in court. Yeah, I gave the order to start firing on the crowd. Yeah, I did this. Yeah, I did that. And I'm thinking to myself, so you're single-handedly responsible for inciting the riot. There was no violence going on. You know, when Waldo was screaming on the radio, oh, send the tacticals, send the squads down. You know, they're attacking, they're throwing stuff. What's amazing is in the video from the public, nobody's throwing anything. Nobody's doing anything. And this guy's screaming on the radio,
4: fire, fire, fire.
0: When all this comes out, I think it's going to look a lot different than what people have been told for two and a half years. And, you know, hopefully we'll see a major shift in the prison population. I really pray for that.
1: <laughs> I like the way you said that.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, we need a J6 pardon of innocence. There's no question. Um <laughs> We, ha- we have to do something for these folks or they're going to run around the rest of their lives with felonies on their records and, and bogus charges that they can't live a normal life in, in society the way we have it with those kind of things hanging over their head. We have to do something that's going to be Trump, you know, the J6 pardon of innocence. I haven't heard anybody say
1: that. I have not heard any of our political candidates say that they
0: plan to pardon at least the nonviolent J6ers. Yeah, well, you know my opinion on that. Pardon them all. It's too much hassle and too much investigative work to try to find out who the three or four little bad guys were. It'll be real easy to arrest most of the bad guys off of the police records and FBI records and (laughs) accomplices that they hire. We can get a lot of the bad guys just like that, but it's it's not the people because they were tricked from the day one. And let me tell you another Mm -hmm. thing about Inspector Lloyd – the uh, boundaries around the Capitol came up. You remember after January 6th, they came out with an overhead map and it had a red line all the way around it. And they said, that's the boundary. Well, there was no red chalk. There were no even red fences in all those areas. They just kind of made this imaginary line. So they asked inspector Lloyd, why was this barrier set up? And he said, well, because vice president Pence was coming and we wanted to make sure that we had an area secure for his presence. So, the attorney asking me said, So, you do this every time Mike Pence comes in the building? No. He was like, Well, no. <laughs> oh, so y- you see where I'm going with that? It's just amazing the lies that they try to fabricate on the spot. No, no, no. It's because Pence was here. So, you do this every time? No. Well, then why'd you do it this time? I mean, so you see the setup more and more as time goes on. Let me tell you lara logan's movie she just released her trailer today amazing i just saw dinesh d'souza's trailer amazing it's not released yet so these are two films that are going to be you know really eye openers and then our film comes out early october we're going to drop another teaser trailer on 9 11 and hopefully get some interest from both sides to watch this next film and it's J six a true timeline. It's going to be amazing. Um, just shows police body cam, the inside conversations that nobody's had any access to because of the the squelch on the on the footage. You know, if you can't get it. So we have procured quite a collection in two and a half years, and we're ready to expose the inside story to the people. Well, you don't need to be super smart. You don't. Have- You don't have to
3: know
1: any of the stuff that you've uncovered. You don't have to see any of these videos to know that there's a half a million or more people in town. Maybe bicycle barricades and styrofoam helmets might not be enough. Like, I mean, clearly they were not prepared for the number of people in town. I don't care if they're all free love hippies. You get that many people together, you have more, you have better and more security than what we could see on around the Capitol that
0: day. Oh, there there was better security at every other event in our nation's history. Right. I, I can I can say that with real confidence because five police, two women, three men, with no shields, no batons, no battle armor, no helmet, no vest, standing up there trying to hold back ten thousand people is never going to work out. Somebody's <laughs> either going to push you down or talk around you. And, and if you've ever been to an event, there's those people. And if the government was smart, they would understand who they're dealing with in Antifa. Because when we had a rally in DC on Freedom Plaza in 2019, Antifa had 1200 people there. They were trying to attack our stage while we were having our event. And they would do it in two different places. You know, at the same time, try to weaken the defenses. It's the art of war. You know, draw the defenses over here and do something somewhere else. And so, strategically, they were trying to come into our event in two different places. They did the same thing at the Capitol. If you watch the movies, they went in through the front gate and the side gate, and then they tore that fence down, and nobody ever knew from then on. So it's really interesting, man. And and I, I hate to think that we won't ever get to the bottom of this because we will. And, and I just don't know what that looks like for the people that are supposedly in power because we've tried to warn everyone and we've tried to say what the consequences of these crimes against people are, deprivation of constitutional rights and stuff like that, are very serious offenses. And I, I, I made the mistake, I guess, of going on to Twitter and talking about one of the judges and what the legal – Ramifications to some of their actions are. And so the FBI shows at my house a week and a half ago and -hmm. wanted to have a little talk and ask me if I'm in a militia, ask me if I own guns, ask me all these stupid questions. Was your answer to all of their stupid questions? That's none of your
1: business? That's none of your business? That's none of your business?
0: No, I have a lot more fun with them than that, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I talked to him for about 30 minutes, man. And my friend got the second half recorded. He was over here. But, you know, I showed trailer to my new movie and i and i told him what's going on and and i said yeah i know what you're talking about absolutely and i said you know that's taken out of context and i said here's what i'd like to see i'd like to see the people that filed all those false reports about my comments i'd like to see something happen to them because here the fbi shows at my house for the fifth time fifth time and i asked the agents i said can you can can I get a business card from you? They're just like, Yeah, you know, we really don't give business cards. So they end up in the bathrooms and stuff. <laughs> and I said, That's hilarious, man. I said, but you know what's funny? I said, the last FBI guy that was here, he left me a card. And they're like, What? The FBI's been here before? What for? And I said, Are you kidding me right now? January 6th. I said, they've been here four times. They've been in my house. We've talked twice inside with my attorney one time. That's not even in your report that they've been here at all? They were like, no. I said, don't you find that odd? Don't you think maybe they're trying to set me up? You know Why would they do that? Why why would they not talk? So now they're asking, are you in a militia? No, heck no, I'm not in a militia. Do you know where the judge lives? No, and I don't care. I'm not after that. You don't understand. You know, in my speech, in my statement, I said, I want the court to handle it. It's not me. I'm not a judge, jury, or anything. I want the court to handle this, but he needs to be held to the letter of the law. And unfortunately, that letter is horrible for him for what he's done to other people from his place of high authority. Mm -hmm. So there are real-time, real-world ramifications to all these crimes that they commit. There are penalties for those crimes. I didn't write the laws. I didn't write that stuff down 200 years ago. That's not me. I'm just reading the stuff and studying the stuff. And if you're going to come to my house and threaten me because I quoted something out of our founding papers, that's on you. So now you're coming to my house to do me harm. And there's laws about that in Texas. So, uh, you know, when when all your neighbors on your whole street are calling you afterwards, everything. Okay. That was them again, wasn't it? (laughs) Everybody in my neighborhood knows, let's just put it like that. And they seem to always be watching. So that's not a threat in any way, shape, or form. That's just a matter of saying you better know where you're standing and what you're doing when you decide to do what you're going to do. Because this is Texas, man. And, and you know, the next conversation will be with my sheriff when they come to town. So yeah. well, if they you want know to be arrested for harassment, I'm going to look into getting a restraining order. I've been nice to these guys multiple times, and they keep harassing me and keep intimidating me and keep threatening me. I'm not going to play that anymore. You brought up your sheriff, and that's a really good
1: point. Your sheriff, according to Mac v. or Mac slash Prince v. the U.S., yes, v. v, I think it was Clinton, um, Supreme Court case from '96 ish, where the sheriff was out and out declared the chief law enforcement officer of a county. Yeah which gives him the authority to say who other, what other law enforcement agencies can or cannot operate in his County. That's right. That's a really good point. You should, if you don't know your sheriff, well, you should get to know your sheriff. Well,
0: well there's been a lot of argument and you've heard them before who are our constitutional elected sheriffs, Mm -hmm. you know, constitutional guys that follow not, not the boss that put them in a position, but the position that people hired them to fulfill And they really are the last line of defense against a tyrannical government. Mm -hmm. They can protect you. States rights still trump, right? But they forget all that stuff when they send the FBI down from D.C. and they cross your state lines. They don't even have the authority to investigate here like that. Plus, I'm a citizen. Plus, all these other reasons. It's illegal. And beyond being immoral, unethical, and... Terroristic, You know, and and I think last time I was here, I always like to read that uh, definition so people have it fresh. It's the definition of terrorism, the use, the unlawful use of violence and intimidation, especially civilians in the pursuit of political aims. Mm -hmm. I don't see in there where it says anybody can be a terrorist, but our government against its people. And that's what we've been warned about since the foundation of our country. And here we are. What are we going to do about it?
1: Right. And, and for you, if the FBI had been to my house five times, I, I would I would have my, my sheriff on speed dial. Yeah. I mean, I happen to live right across the street from my sheriff. I FBI shows up at my house. I'd be like, why don't we walk right over there and have
0: this conversation? Yeah, yeah. I'd be throwing rocks at his window or something to get his attention. I'd be doing something. Scream. I don't know. But, you know, what's going to get his attention is that flashbang. So I told these FBI agents, I said... Look, you know, I'm, I want to make sure y'all aren't coming back with that complimentary flashbang. And they're like, we don't do that to everybody. I said, no, wait a minute. Judge Holland and Christopher Ray worked it out to where everybody gets a complimentary flashbang for the neighborhood. And the big crew with the, you know, the big car with the Ram thing on the front uh, and all that stuff. So they said, no, we don't do that to everybody. I said, y- you guys you really don't know what's going on, uh, you know. And you see this on social media. Oh, the only people that are arrested are violent and this and that. We know that's a bald faced lie. Right. Innocent right. people that walk through the
1: Who was the old man with Trump's team that, that they, the old, really rich, I can't think of his name right now, where they showed up, you know, the pre-dawn raid with long runs and all this other kind Roger of stuff?
2: Roger Stone. Roger Stone. Stone
1: right, Roger yep. Stone, who does yep. not have any record of owning a firearm, who's never no. been accused of anything violent at all. No. Pre Dawn raid, long guns drawn, to drag the guy out of his bed in his pajamas.
0: While his wife had cancer. Right. See, this is the other thing. They care not about our humanity or our need not at all or anything that's going on in our lives. So wasn't it funny that the media was there to cover Roger Stone's deal? Someone tipped him off, and they were right. filming the whole thing. Uh-huh. Like it was an HBO special. Same thing happened with Oathkeeper Stuart Rhodes. When he was arrested, there just so happened to be a news copter flying over his house, capturing it all on video. I don't know how these things keep happening. It's just the weirdest coincidence. It is. Mm. Boy,
1: CNN just really knows where to be, huh? Yeah, like, I, but you got me thinking. Like if the if the FBI were to show up here, because I I probably said some things on air over the last sure. few years that might raise some eyebrows if enough people actually listen to me. Right. Um, they, if they were to show up here and be like, "Are you a member of a militia?" I'd be like, "No, I can't find a local one. You know where one is." Like- <laughs> I feel that way, dude. I do some stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like, you own firearms? Yep. You want to see them?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I told him, I said, look, everybody in Texas owns firearms. What are you talking about? What kind of questions? I said, from BB guns up. And I said, now I'm not a 50 Cal guy, but, you know, anything in between is is fair game in Texas, right? So they're asking about a militia. And I'm like, it's not illegal to be a member of a militia, is it? No. Nope. So uh, the questions that they even ask are so leading and entrapping. And it, it's it's just a a sad thing that they didn't know who I was. They even they're so smart. They said, do you have any social media accounts? Like, you know, damn well I do. And so does everybody else on the, in the country. Like their complaint came from social media. (laughs) That's how bright these guys are. Uh So I did take the opportunity to show them the trailer to the movie. And then he made the brilliant statement of what do you do with this? Do you put it on YouTube? I was like, are you serious? YouTube cancels me every time I sign up for it. They do not want to, They wouldn't put this on there. It's like, no, this is the truth about January 6th. Are you kidding me? And I said, y'all don't know I've put out two documentaries. Y'all don't know I work as an investigator for the lawyers. Y'all don't know I've testified in these court cases. And you're standing here at my house like this. You, you didn't know all that? Don't you think that's weird. It's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. You would think that if somebody has such
1: a provocative history, yeah. That that they would maybe send the agents that were there before, or at least inform the new agents that
0: they're sending. I got the business card right here. If you want me to call them, and we can have hey, why don't they <laughs> <I'm> the first- <laughs> come on here? Come on, plug your phone into your computer, and let's get them on air right now. You see, I live I live so close to Dallas that it's either the Dallas branch or the Frisco branch. And the first time it was Dallas, the first couple of times, four times, but then this last time it was the Frisco branch. So why do the branches not communicate? Why, they're 15, 20 miles away from each other probably. Oh, maybe they switched because the Dallas branch branch wasn't
1: getting the results they wanted. So they said, well, let's get these guys over here in Frisco. Well, hey, it's, almost, it's almost
0: time for commercial break. So uh, tell people how we can support what you do. StopHate.com slash support. And, of course, you can go to StopHate.com slash J6 to support our J6ers in their most great time of need. They really need letters Prayers, funding for their lawyers. We've had so many arrests in the last few weeks. We've added a half a dozen people in the last two days to our list of people to help. So, if y'all can help support us in the work we do at StopHate dot com slash support, I would greatly appreciate it. Greatly.
1: Yeah, and uh, and by the American G- Gulag Chronicles. Um, yes. American and Gulag—two words that should never be put together. And uh, yeah, you're holding yours up for the camera. I was just looking for mine. I'm like,
0: crap, I moved stuff around and now I don't know where it is. (laughs) There's a link at stophate.com. Please buy one for yourself and buy one for your library. Great book. Everybody
1: should buy one. Hey, it's a great time. We'll be back in three minutes. Thanks, Dave. Thank you.
4: At Romica Designs, we're more than just a laser engraving and specialty design company. Much more. I'm Ron Phillips, co-owner of Romica Designs, and we're honored to work with our affiliates like Liberty Lighthouse to bring you professional laser engraving and customization. Great for one-of-a-kind gifts, home decor, business and specialty items, or personalized and logo designs created just for you or your company. Allow Romica Designs and Liberty Lighthouse to become your go-to gift and specialty project partner. Romica Designs can help make your ideas a reality. We're ready to help you design and create that special gift for any occasion or engrave your personal or business logo on just about any product. All you have to do is simply email us with your ideas. We specialize in custom design and we'd be honored to have the opportunity to discuss it with you. Visit us on the web at romicadesigns.com and use promo code LIGHTHOUSE during checkout to support Liberty Lighthouse with Peter Seraphine. Some say life
2: will beat you down and break your
1: heart. Hey, welcome back. It's the final segment of tonight's show. National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting Network. Liberty Lighthouse elsewhere. I had a uh, Text message for our guest that I didn't get to. I didn't see it until the break. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, one is the Capitol doors have to be open from the inside. That's right. Dave, Summerall, all the, the guest in the last half hour, he had mentioned that uh, you know the two prong attack where they came. I think it was the west entrance and the main entrance. Well, that main entrance, I believe, is the one that has the sixteen ton cast bronze. Uh, they're known as the Columbus doors that are literally strong enough to withstand artillery uh, barrage. They're magnetically locked, cannot be opened from the inside. And then there's, Oh, by the way, there's also a set of glass security doors on the inside where you have to be let in. So, um, yeah, that should also be part of the argument in court, but I'm sure that that wasn't allowed to be said. Um, and then the uh, other text question, uh, question for the guest, sorry about that, uh, John Badelk case apply, or the Castle Doctrine? Would the Castle Doctrine apply? I'm not sure what part you're talking about, um, except maybe when you know the FBI shows up at your house for the fifth time, does the Castle Doctrine apply at that point? And Castle Doctrine, for anybody who out there who doesn't know, and if you own a firearm, you should definitely know what the Castle Doctrine is. Castle Doctrine is the uh, to stand your ground law for your own house you're allowed to defend your castle um wow i don't i don't even remember where we left off before the guests joined us but i wanted to go back to that first you know 1798 when john adams signed the sedition act and made free speech illegal made it so that it was illegal to criticize your government nine years after our constitution had been ratified What was his excuse? Well, pending war. We might be going to war with France. And because we might be going to war, it's now illegal to criticize your government. Now, of course, if you allow the government to take your rights away from you in an emergency situation, government will create emergency situations in order to take your rights away from you. I'm sure that is a phrase that you probably heard a few times, at least during the COVID pandemic, I hope you heard it a few times. But looking back at that, like, you know, emergency situation, you know, war, do you think maybe the idea of war being an excuse to take your rights and to take more power from we the people has to do with why they call all of these social initiatives, wars, you know, the The war on crime, the war on drugs, the war on poverty. Maybe that's why they use that word. They make it a war so that they can expand their power. Take it from you and do whatever it is that they want to get done. It's a live call-in show. We haven't had a whole lot of calls tonight because we had a whole lot of guests. So 512-248-8252. And if you prefer to text, you can text six four my rights sixty four my rights at six four six nine seven four 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 eight seven. So Reb in Colorado, that didn't take long. They gave out the phone number, and we got Reb in Colorado. Welcome to the show,
2: Reb. That's because we mean business, brother well, Scout. Reb seven zero three six nine seven nine one two one. Call it. We're not going to stop until we bring in troops and every stinking 911 bastard is dead in hell. Because they can get people to murder you. There's few people in the world that can control these masses of murdering bastards. That's what we found out. I don't know why nobody else found out. I know nobody's ever gotten top of the government. We did. And we want to use everything America's got. And everyone's dead. Every day, it just gets worse. And it's never gonna get better. They're already starting to cover their nose and mouth. I, mean, yeah. I was just with some people. I said, What are you doing that for? Well the other people getting the corroded virus and they feel better that they, they shouldn't get the corroded virus. I said, "Give it a rest, stupid <laughs> I said, I'm getting better up with your corroded. The only I, thing I just, is, I just saw you an don't article. want to be shut down. We have to kill the bastards. We've got enough firepower, and it's go time. What do you want yeah. to vote
1: for? No, Seven, I'm two? not. No, I'm not going to go that far, Reb. I'm not going to call for killing anybody. Um, and I, I, pre- I prefer that you not do that on air, at least not on my show. Those are, the, those are fighting words that will get us all in trouble. I am not calling for violence. I am still calling for learning your rights, because there's so many people out there that don't even know their rights education is step number 1 learn what is in your right what are your rights and what is the proper role of government and then stand up when somebody tries to take your rights away and when government steps out of it steps out of bounds normally that's i like i say normally i like i like talking to you reb but uh, you start calling for violence openly like that and i got to cut you off i'm sorry that's
2: why right. it's a war this isn't violence this is saving your lives for murderers. They're practicing to murder you. We're not wrong. You can call it a lot of things. But we're barbaric, and there's a difference between barbaric and violent. We're not violent. We hate violence. We like getting rid of people who want murder. They told us that. You, you, you're not... They couldn't prove we're guilty, but they know we are. They, they just couldn't prove it. I mean, when they say that to you, what, what is that? That's the end of America. America doesn't go by your thoughts on the matter, jerk. it no, you got evidence. Or you I don't.
1: That right there is where we started the show. I started the show talking about the Supreme Court and how they use precedents, which is basically somebody else's thoughts on the Constitution, somebody else's thoughts on your rights, somebody else's well, thoughts. that could have been... don't
2: have any. The United Nations already said so. That's how we got in this mess. We were helped by a group, the Defense Intelligence. They don't do favors for you. And they took it to the top. They said, well, let someone else deal with it. We're getting our our, our say. They get their say, look, we found it. It makes them look good. If you bother them with the wrong stuff, you're going to be in trouble. No, this was this was 100% slam dunk. These bastards want to die. They're ready to. They've taken their last right. All of them. You think just the Muji IG over in that... Part of the world took their last. Fight. These Guineas, they took their last fight. It's a ceremony they have. We found out about. It. They meet at these lodges and hold these hoodoo, voodoo, satanic ceremonies. I'm not kidding. They showed up who, at Bubba's after who, one who's, of the ceremonies. Who's
1: this? Re- who 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 are these people that you're talking about?
2: We got them. Government intruder. No intelligence. They wear badges and carry guns. Oh, and they okay. have a sat- they have a satanic cult. I'm not the only one who knows about this. One of the hosts on Republic, he studied this. He said, yeah, they 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 get special people. They check them out and they turn them into murderers. And they'll do whatever someone tells them. Get rid of whoever they want and cover oh, up for whoever they. They have them yeah. in every department. They have a murder squad, and it's not just the ones in Memphis who murdered. who well, he was he was just a delivery man. He so, was hold on, he was no. non-white.
1: Hold on, just, murdered. just so i understand you're not saying that everybody that has a badge and a gun is this way you're saying that in in every department or at least every major department police department there there is a select group that are part of this squad is that is that
2: the... Yeah they were chosen to attack us cuz they broke in and put a gun above his head they went as far as they could go now they told us well, what about those two jerks that started this, oh, they resigned, which means they're somewhere else in America doing the same thing. Resign in their world doesn't mean they're done. Nobody knows who they are when they show up. They could be anywhere in your town. You mean they were the ones in Lakewood that put a gun above his head? Yeah. It's happened. They've caught someone who was doing some sick stuff in Denver, and then nine months, ten months later, he was up in a mountain town, a small hickey town, doing... Other stupid stuff. They mentioned his name again. Wasn't he the one months ago that threw out a Denver? Yeah, that's the same one. And they just get, he wasn't doing the murder stuff. He was doing sick stuff up there in the mountain town. And it just caught everybody's attention. See, they, they put this out sometimes to see who's paying attention. Apparently, no, that's the way they all are. See how people talk. We're not the only ones who say that's the way they all are. Why did the FBI cover up for them? And why they tell federal agent of the United States Northern Command, uh, we know who Robert Gallo is. We're we're not talking to you. Why is that? Why are they running from the federal government? I mean, they're working for supposedly for the federal government, and they're given agent Kiraak OSI counterintelligence Northcom a hard time. Why aren't right, we all on the same? Aren't they all on the same side? What what's the problem? Something's so, wrong.
1: So are you suggesting that? these 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 uh what would you say murder squads Danny, in, in <laughs> the murder the,
2: squad yeah
1: th- these murder squads in these police departments are working directly with and for federal departments or agencies or somewhere in in the federal world
2: let's put it this way homeland security broad knocks on my door and she had some of the locals with her they put her up to it she said you're you're threatening federal employees I said worse things to, to somebody on the phone, maybe. And worse than I said on the radio to you that you didn't like. And so she decided to push it. I said, look, you wasted your trip here. And I gave her the name of the terrorists who worked with him in his last known address. You pick that pricker up, you turn him over to the military. Don't ever come back. I asked her, what are these jerks are the locals doing? Well, they're guarding her. Around the corner, ten, they had 10 others. They're all involved in this. They knocked on Bubba's door after one of their meetings. It was Sunday night, like 9 p.m. Wasn't that cold, but they all had the same outfit. Those <laughs> nitty hats they wear in the winter. I'm serious. They had the jackets over a sweater. And they all had the same thing. Three of them stood there. She said they were in their 30s. The one did the talking was like 50. She just barely described them. It's just like it on the street. She said they had come from a meeting. Now they go to your church during the day. You meet in these lodges. That we know where they meet. We could show the military. Elks Club, there's one called the Sons of Norway Lounge, right here in Lakewood. We, we, we did the recon. And they showed up at Bubba's. They want to come in because she's the deal. And she's looking. They want to come in and, I guess, talk to her. The one who was doing the talk and the other three were standing there, just like they do on the street. But she just slammed the door. That's how so, freaky these people are. I mean, Rip, you know, have They had have, their meetings.
1: Have you, have you ever thought that maybe if you didn't make so much noise, they wouldn't harass you so much?
2: This was before we even got on the Internet. And just so you know, it wasn't us writing, kill those 2 big gunslingers. We, uh, we wrote a, a Twitter entry, uh, but it was transmitted by the defense intelligence agency, General Flynn's gang. This was in the end of 2010, he was in charge of the agency, and it was U.S. gunfighters rid the west of the two-bit gunslingers, and we were playing through Colorado, Guinea, and they did, that's when they knocked on the door, they started knocking on my door, and uh, someone called on the phone, go out and talk to them. They said, I'll tell you, tell them drop dead. You got a problem with us, tell it to the military, they want to hear your problem, you know, because I'm serious. The United States, I just talked to Mr. Santiago, chief of that office of RSEC, the Army Command. And he said, yeah, you're the only one he's ever heard of that got a outstanding from the command staff at Carlisle Barracks, Pennsylvania. That's the U.S. Army War College. In 1775, the elite of the world's military. You could graduate top of your class and Waste Point, never see that place. It's by invitation only. It's a four-star country club. And I told the lady, her name was Kivalier Peoples, Lieutenant Colonel, Officer Commander, 717-245-3232. I can call them anytime. And you're outstanding. I said, save the medal ceremony, Tell your four-stars at the country club, make us do our job. We'll prosecute. It's up to them to go get them. And I how think do, they, they do.
1: How did they feel about you giving out their phone number on the radio over and over and over again?
2: I don't care. Do you know that they—they they told me only the the top big shots get to do that. So I must be a top big shot. Remember, RSAC called me. That's Alex Santiago. He runs that. He's got his own Gulfstream jet. I was even criticized by CID command. Well, you shouldn't be talking to Army command. I said, give it a rest. I was phoned by them. I was phoned by. Middle, military federal agents from Port Rucker, Alabama. I'm a helicopter pop, but they got records on us. They know what we think about us. I was, we started in Central Command. His name is Jim Rivera, the chief agent in charge. NCIS called, I didn't, even know, what is NCIS doing at an uh, Air Force installation at McDill? at Sencom headquarters and also United States Special Operations Command. These are the people I talk to directly, because they know all about Brother scout reps. So you're saying... What how about getting one of them on
1: the show with me? Next time... Oh. Ne- try try to get one of them to, uh, to come on the show. Get one of them to call in. And well, uh, Listen
2: and- to this. Listen, I'm trying to explain this. V, he used to run a show on your network.
1: Yeah, He I know talked
2: you. to PMO for... Bra- he freaked the military out, because he's a reporter. He's a Journalist. he's whatever you people call yourself he's for real you freaked them out at now it's Fort Liberty they took down bragg he was a confederate general we call fort liberty yeah. and they freaked out over him he said they couldn't talk to uh uh and he was about Louisis well, gal Reb. And they know me I I called. they tried to report me it didn't work out I'm serious they saw my picture on the new driving license I just took pictures just, uh, Agent Buchanan, she's just an MP. She calls the locals about us. They can't come over here. against the law. They're not allowed near us. But agent in Colorado Springs, Kid he calls PMO. Don't screw with our witness. She was just giving, she was going to send it up chain of command. I don't care what they say. It's what they do. So she was screwing. And so they see my picture and said, that's you? I said, you know what? You're in your late 70s. You look 19. you got long, thick, blonde hair, pale white skin. Yeah, I got. I never smoked any of that crap. Not even with a cigarette. And I got good genetics. And I didn't eat I they, the they see me, they look like a kid. Funny, long legs, long arms, no body. Well, no, I want to see. Like, if, if you're oh. in your late 70s
1: and you look 19, now I want to see a picture.
2: Everybody does, but what is this? We're not a dating service. <laughs> it's... <laughs> This doesn't sound kinda winner gets a date with Bubba. Loser gets two dates. You don't want it. Somebody at the Secretary of Defence office said they wanted to date Bubba. I said, You what what? He started mouthing off. Said something gross. I'm not gonna repeat what he said. He said, I'm gonna stand fifty I'm gonna stand fifty feet away. Approach Bubba with that idea you know. I'm gonna watch her rip your arms off and beat you with She's a she's a monster. That's not a girl. And she likes the pronoun sir or God. And she's the female, you know, they don't go near her. She'd rip them like peep cardboard. He could bench press him. He's under a good age. She'd bench press 350. And she's getting old. which She can rip heads off. She can lift her refrigerator off the floor by herself. And Scout just hangs with her. And Scout just says, yes, sir. They're more military than I am. But the Bubba, she's the deal. Nobody's going to... That, that's why I said these social workers, they giving me a hard time. All these places, cause I'm a scrawny wife. Like, I ain't going to say that to Bubba. No. Nope. Nope. Right. I'm yeah. telling you, CIA. So get
1: our right. number out. That's me. about enough rep for for tonight. That's about all I can handle. Um, I I don't know why I like listening to Reb ramble like that. And, and I appreciate that he usually calls toward the ends of the show uh but yeah hey red you got all those people on speed dial you call all them up all the time i'd love to hear from any of them so you you give them the show number and you have them call into the show one of these thursday nights when i'm hosted i'd love to speak to any of them. i mean i won't push them to divulge any confidential information or anything just love to have a chat um well, you want know, while i'm pausing and thinking about what to talk about next let's uh Remind you to uh, visit uh, 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 protectwithbear.com. Protectwithbear.com. Use code Lighthouse. That is the website for uh, right-to-bear insurance. If you own a firearm, you need carry insurance. And right-to-bear insurance is the most affordable carry insurance on the market. And code Lighthouse at protectwithbear.com will save you 10% off their already low prices. The most affordable carry insurance on the market. Code Lighthouse at protectwithbear.com. So, I got a whole bunch of things going on all at once. I've mentioned I've got the brand new book coming out here in like 10 days. I, I'm working on, a, on another book that I sent off to, uh, to be reviewed by, by a doctor. And then I've got uh, my Institute on the Constitution courses at, at, in the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom at liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom, um, working on trying to finish those up and getting them up. And I, I've also started working on building my own constitutional course. And I, I'm, I'm calling it constitution from an originalist perspective or original the originalist constitution or something like that. I'm envisioning a one-day course seminar thing. This is This is something I don't really want to do online this is a course that I'd rather do in person and what my goal is to have a workbook that goes in the in the course that has the text of the constitution footnoted to the federalist papers and the uh the ratification debates for the constitution most likely the virginia ratification debates because that's the one madison was in and madison took impeccable notes and has exactly what everybody said. So I'm thinking about making this workbook that basically is my way of, of of showing the only interpretation of the constitution that really matters is what it was what what we the people who ratified it thought. We need to stop looking at these nine justices in black robes these these nine black robe tyrants if you want to call them that whatever the the lawyers we've got to stop looking at what they think about the constitution as being the supreme law of the land the constitution itself is the supreme law of the land and we the people the citizens of this country in 1789 ratified the constitution between 1787 and 89 through these ratification uh conventions and it was we the people that were there and it you know the document starts out we the people it was written for us we have to understand what it says so like I said the only interpretation that should matter is what those people at that time thought one of the examples I want to you know, kind of work into the class at some point is is you know the meanings of the words you can't apply modern definitions to words in a document two hundred and fifty years ago, just like you can't use modern definitions for words if you want to go back to I don't know Shakespeare or Dickens or Alexander Dumas, you can't read you know three Musketeers where he talks about putting a faggot under his arm and use the modern definition of a faggot. It was a bundle of sticks back then. And I think that's a good example as to why we need to know what the people at that time thought the document meant. And I personally believe that the best way to do that is the Federalist Papers, a little bit the the Anti-Federalist Papers, but You could almost say that the Anti-Federalist Papers are irrelevant in that the Anti-Federalist Papers are the people that did not want the Constitution ratified. The Federalist Papers were the ones that did. Well, the Constitution did get ratified. So what was said in the Federalist Papers should be the more accurate interpretation of what it means. Between that and the ratification debates, Virginia being the one best documented, my plan is to footnote it all together. So, you know, Constitution, all 27 amendments, followed by Federalist Papers, all 85 of them, and the Virginia Ratification Debates, and, and all tied together and footnoted, as in an, an originalist document. And Of course, any, any class on the Constitution has to start with, you know, the, what types of government are there, um, the fact that everybody calls us a democracy is a lie. Um, describing the differences between rights versus privileges. Where do rights come from and where do privileges come from? Um, the separation of church and state, it's the, the lie about the separation of church and state, I think is an important thing to talk about. You know, 93% of the people who signed the, the, the Declaration of Independence were Christian. 93%. And even those that weren't Christian, they still signed it. So they clearly believed in the, at least the Christian structure and st- Christian values. It's not what we have today. And then you have to talk about the Declaration of Independence. The, you have to talk about the, the Age of Enlightenment, the five self-evident truths, the, the purpose of government. All of this before you even get to the Constitution. What I do m- might be controversial But it is not revolutionary. What I do is to try to be restorative. I want to teach people to conserve our system of government, our constitution. I want to restore the constitutional governance that we were founded upon. The people that signed the Declaration of Independence, they were revolutionary. They swore their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors, and they were all wealthy people. They had a lot to lose and by signing that document, they were committing treason. I'm not doing any of that; I just want to get us back to understanding our constitution and our rights. I want to restore the republic the way it was supposed to be. so I guess that's why I have been doing all of this lately and all of this work, especially around education. I'm building my own constitution course that I, I want to be able to teach in public. I want to go to, you know, Penn State University, eight, ten miles down the road and teach it to somebody there. I want to go to the you know, my local high school that has a turning point USA chapter and teach it there. I want to go to the elks, the moose, any of these churches fraternal organizations, anything around my area, and teach what I believe to be the original perspective on our Constitution, and teach why I think that's really the, the only interpretation that matters. I don't know how else to say that. We, we've got to stop listening to other people's what they think the Constitution means and start looking it up ourselves and looking at what it meant that what it meant when it was gratified is the only meaning that matters hey, if you're listening to the show live on Republic Broadcasting Network stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett thank you to our guests Dave Summerall and Brent Hamachak, for joining us tonight thank you Mike my producer couldn't do the show without you and thank you most of all you listeners and callers you're why we do this show and until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. It's a lease
2: we can do for the red, white, and blue. We must take America back. We
4: must take America.
1: Nobel Prize nominated for his COVID-19 treatment protocols. The late Dr. Zelenko created Z-Stack to help boost your immune system. And when you order Z-Stack, you're not only boosting your immune system, you're also supporting Freedom Fighters Foundation. So boost your immune system by going to ZstackLife.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. Be healthier. Support the Freedom Fighters Foundation.
3: Use the code Lighthouse at zstacklife.com.